Montreal is seen as a progressive city, but does our municipal party represent the public's values? The city's municipal party, Projet Montréal, had progressive roots, but since they took power in 2017, Montreal has seen the largest rent increase since 2003. Projet Montréal also oversaw the demolition of multiple tent cities, housing the homeless during the pandemic, and approved a historical increase of the police budget by $45 million in 2022. Last election, we saw the return of former Mayor Denis Coderre, causing Projet Montréal to once again campaign head-to-head against Coderre's party Ensemble Montréal. Ensemble campaigned on fear, setting that crime was on the rise and Ensemble could be the party to reduce crime in the city. Coderre had a few occasions where he was loose with the truth, one stating that Montreal had experienced 400 shootouts when discussing gun violence. This is not true. If we include SPVM statistics from 2018, 2019, and 2020, there were a total of 236 incidents where a firearm was discharged. Associate professor at Concordia University, Ted Rutland, says violence has not increased in the city. Until very recently, we didn't have any figures that showed any kind of increase at all. Gun crime in Montreal was actually down through 2020 and most of 2021. They came out in front during the campaign, knowing that Denis Coderre and Ensemble Montréal were going to campaign on fear of gun violence, fear of gangs, and were going to campaign on increased police funding. So Projet Montréal came out and announced their platform ahead of Denis Coderre and Ensemble Montréal, and they committed to what they called a balanced approach to public security. Homelessness doubled in Montreal during the pandemic, with other major Canadian cities reporting a similar uptick. 10 cities started propping up as many shelters experienced COVID-19 outbreaks. Projet Montréal took a harsh approach, having the police demolish multiple 10 cities during their last term. SPVM patrol officers are called more than 40 times a day to respond to situations involving the homeless. More than half of these interventions take place downtown. Recently, the city of Montreal held a public consultation inviting different organizations that tackle homelessness and domestic violence to take part. Many of these organizations identified that the city focuses on emergency services and that politicians need to start thinking of these services in the long term. At the start of the winter, emergency services, including warming tents, hotels and trailers, popped up as COVID-19 rates spiked. As a result of COVID, shelters can only operate at half capacity, pushing more on the streets and into more precarity. At least four homeless people have died on the streets of Montreal since the start of the pandemic. At the consultation, Mayor Valerie Plante said the city of Montreal's role is to find places and to coordinate activities, and it is the responsibility of the Quebec government to fund and set goals since they are in charge of health and therefore homelessness. She added that the city is still aiming to develop social housing and that Montreal needs to get out of seasonal logic to provide full-time services. So has the move towards full-time services started? Bordering downtown is Milton Park, a neighborhood with a large homeless population. As a result of colonialism and displacement, many of them are Inuit. Pierre Perron is an intervention worker with the Indigenous Street Workers Program, an organization created three years ago to support Inuit experiencing homelessness. This year, with the one other Inuit person dying, just like last year, it was all over the media, the city of Montreal gave us a heating tent. As of March 31st, we are back to just working on the streets. Most of our workers have been laid off. You know, the funding for our program has been greatly reduced, uh, sadly. We got some funding to successfully put 12 hardcore street people, Inuit people, Native people into apartments. But 
March 31st, we don't have that contract anymore, so we don't have the housing project anymore as well. So there's maybe thing where we might be able to latch on with other organizations and keep it on. If not, we're going to just spread these these people to other organizations, you know. The program has been a success, with many of those receiving support now taking up support roles themselves. You know, now two of the people in apartments have been shadow workers for ISWP. This is the best thing here. They've been shadow workers for ISWP, meaning I'd go under, under, on the bricks, on the streets, and they'd follow me with a backpack full of supplies and all that. And they can get in there and speak the language and know the community and know the cousins and all that. So they've proven to be great assets. I've got two workers right now that have been working since last year. One of them just no longer a peer worker. She's now been hired as an intervention in training. We want to slowly prepare these people for the, for the real-world job market. While the police have an overall adversarial relationship with the homeless, organizations like the ISWP have proven to be a beneficial resource. Public demand for defunding the police and reallocating resources to organizations like the ISWP has been increasing. In 2020, 73% of Montrealers were in support of reducing SPVM funding. Despite this, Projet Montréal has increased the funding every year since, with the second highest increase towards the SPVM ever approved for the 2022 budget. They committed to a small increase in funding for community organizations that work to prevent violence, including gun violence, doubling the budget from around $2.5 million to $5 million, which is nothing. It's not much. Okay, but it's something. A lot of that five million that's supposed to go to community um, violence prevention isn't going to community violence prevention at all. It's going to a whole bunch of social programs that are really good, but that won't do anything to diminish violence. And then when it comes to this really promising program, EMIS, unarmed civilians responding to various kinds of situations, they didn't fund it. The $3.75 million that they promised to devote to an expansion of this program was not in their 2022 budget. And now they're saying that they're going to ask the Quebec government for this money. So we're still in the situation where we have this tiny pilot project when we should be massively expanding that project and using police money to support it. Because really, and I'm taking a fairly liberal perspective here, you know, every call that EMIS responds to is one less call the police have to respond to. What other changes have we seen under Projet Montréal? Rent in Montreal increased by an average of 4.6% in 2020. This is the highest increase the city has experienced in 18 years. Lindley, community organizer at Verdun Ensemble contre la gentrification, has seen how rent has changed in the last couple of years. We see rents in the thousands now. At first it was shocking, you know, to see like rent at 1,200 even, but now at this point, sometimes you're seeing like 2,000, can go even higher. A lot of these are advertised as like, you know, renovated and modern, but for the most part, it's just like a new slab of paint and some cheap tiles. During the four years of their first term, um, we also saw a massive um, gentrification process take place in many Montreal neighborhoods, escalating rents, escalating property values, thousands of rent evictions, lots of people displaced. And Projet Montréal did nothing on those things. So what they did push through is the Règlement sur le Métropole Mixte, which requires developers of larger condo projects, and in fact, you know, to some extent, all condo projects now, to contribute to social housing and to contribute in some specific cases to affordable housing. There are some issues with it, but it's a good policy. Even if that policy works to its full capacity, the amount of new social and affordable housing built each year will always be less than the amount of affordable housing that's destroyed through rent evictions and through gentrification. 
Catherine Lucier, community organizer at Frappru, says there's not enough social housing. There hasn't been enough uh, social housing uh, also developed to answer the basic needs and to, you know, fight a bit against this phenomenon. So we have been, you know, continuing buildings, uh, non-affordable apartments all over Montreal and, you know, in develop- the, the developments that have been planned that doesn't include enough social housing also to prevent the gentrification of neighborhood, if I'm thinking about the Côte and the Blue Bonnets uh, project that is also not containing enough social housing or not at all in certain cases. The most vulnerable tenants, the, the poorest tenants, are basically getting evicted of Montreal and they have no other places to go or, because the places where it was still affordable, like Montréal Nord or Antiquartéville, the vacancy rate of these neighborhoods are nearly 0% in some cases or around 1%. We haven't done anything to really improve the condition of, uh, you know, the low-income tenants that are, you know, looking for an apartment and at the same time fighting for their basic rights to just keep their apartment they have been living in for many years. The issue of social housing doesn't only weigh on the municipal government, but on all levels of government. Under Projet Montréal, because the Quebec government was not financing also at all com- com- compared to what Denis Coderre was able to receive from the Quebec government and even sometimes from the federal government. So uh, obviously, Projet Montréal has a fight more to get any investment from the Quebec government. It has been significantly uh, reduced when the CAC got elected and uh, under like Legault's government. 1,500 units for all Quebec is, is still ridiculous if we want to support all the tenants that you know are expecting uh, to have a social housing unit. We're talking in Quebec like 32,000, around 32,000 or subscribe on the list of low-income housing. So by 1,500 units a year, it's still not enough. We have been really deceived when we uh, realized that the CAC was not going to do better. Carlos Leitao called what the CAC is providing towards social housing a joke, adding that the provincial government continues to state that the housing crisis is something that is happening in Vancouver and in Toronto but not in Quebec. The housing crisis is not a one solution type thing. It requires action on all levels of government, you know, federal, uh, provincial, and municipal as well. But it seems that when the municipal uh, government does end up making these promises, especially during campaign times, um, there's like some really lazy bylaws that get passed with some really lazy loopholes um, and I see that as a pattern um, from Projet Montréal also. One of the bylaws Lee is referring to is the Responsible Landlord Certification. This requires landlords to register their property online in a public record. This will include the rental fee, vacancy, proof of inspections, whether the building is up to code, free of vermin, and what work has been completed or needs to be done. This is required to be renewed every five years. But this is not frequent enough for new tenants to be aware of large rent increases. Only landlords responsible for eight units or more will be obliged to register. These properties only account for an estimated 35% of the city's rental market. A total of $347 million was allocated in the most recent provincial budget for social and affordable housing. Some of this funds construction of new units, but most of it goes towards completing halted projects. Liberal critic for public finance, so do you think Projet Montréal is progressive? How can they represent Montreal even more? This episode was put together by Aude Simon, Arya Afshar, executive producer Drew Jay, and myself, Savannah Craig, 
To watch the video version of this episode and to keep up to date with other local Montreal news, check out Local 514 on YouTube or follow CUTV Montreal on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook or at CUTV underscore on TikTok. Thanks for tuning in.